0: The Elder Scrolls is a series of Western-style role-playing video games that begun development in 1992 by Bethesda Softworks. Since then, Bethesda have gone on to produce five main Elder Scrolls games, and the most recent two in particular, The Elder Scrolls IV, Oblivion, and The Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, were two of the largest and most critically acclaimed games of all time. Both games have sold millions of copies worldwide, spawned spin-offs, dozens of pieces of downloadable content, endless internet memes, and even a massively multiplayer online version. But which is better? Is it Oblivion, with its classic high fantasy tropes and deep role-playing gameplay? Or Skyrim, with its more modern pacing and epic dragon battles? In this episode, we discuss which game we think is the best ever Elder Scrolls. So, Seferin, you mentioned the other day that you think Skyrim is the best Elder Scrolls game, and I was wondering why you think that, because it's quite clearly Oblivion. Well, I mean,
1: it's quite clearly not Oblivion, (laughs) It's clearly Skyrim. Skyrim is a far more recent game as well, you know, it's released only five years ago. The game has the advantages of much more advanced technology. Uh, It sold far more than Oblivion did,
0: got just as much critical acclaim. That's true. That's true. I guess Skyrim sold what, like over 20 million copies. <laughs> but, you know, Oblivion is still sold a lot more than uh, the Morrowinds. They started development straight after Morrowinds. So it's a lot earlier on in the general span of Elder Scrolls. It was still, I think, sort of kind of quite niche at that point. It wasn't as appealing to a wider audience as Skyrim is. I kind of feel like Oblivion was popular and that sort of made Bethesda tone it down more for Skyrim because, and I guess that's why it was more successful in some ways, but also I'm not sure that that makes it a better Elder Scrolls game. Do you know what I mean? No, I
1: don't know what you mean (laughs) at at all. (laughs) It took Skyrim, the baby brother of Oblivion, essentially to open up this massively wonderful game world to the rest of the gaming population. Why hide away this gem of a series to the hardcore nerds playing their PCs? Yes, I know, Oblivion was released on Xbox 360 and PS3, but but A, those ports weren't very good, and B, they were after the fact as well. Let's face it, Skyrim was the true unveiling of the Elder Scrolls to everybody, and everybody loved it.
0: So... Why? What What do you think? What do you think specifically about Skyrim? Like, what's, okay. what's so good? Go on. One thing I'd like to mention before I start saying all of the
1: many reasons why Skyrim <laughs> is just clearly superior. Let's not bring mods into this. Yeah. Yes, we know Elder Scrolls Games has got some of the best modding communities in all of the gaming industry completely. And it's not very fair to talk about these games whilst
0: acknowledging mods. They just changed the game too much. So let's just stick
1: with the vanilla versions.
0: Yeah, we could be discussing completely different games otherwise. If, you know, I mean, I did play Oblivion with a lot of mods, but I will try and forget that. I will try not to think about all those useful mods.
1: (laughs) But I mean, where to start with Skyrim? Well, let's start at the start of the game. The opening sequence of Skyrim is far superior to Oblivion's. It's far more believable. It introduces you to the world and the central conflict immediately within it, encourages you to pick a side early on within the central plot. It makes you feel involved. It makes you feel like you are living in this world rather than having just been plopped into it, much like it happens in Oblivion.
0: In Oblivion, it's more... In some ways, it's a little bit more traditional Elder Scrolls. It's similar to in Morrowind where you're inexplicably a prisoner on a ship or whatever and the thing is is that what irritates me most about the skyrim opening is that picking aside at the start what do you get to pick between isn't it like the guards that were going to kill you or not now you see it's not quite as vanilla as that though that's the thing there's
1: a lot more taste coming on there. You know that these two sides both have valid points because of all the nuance that you see and the reactions people give to all the different sides as you're being trundled through the town in this cart. You hear both good sides and bad sides of both of both parties.
0: I still like the opening in Oblivion. I like the, the whole thing with the Emperor and it sort of draws you in a bit more and also it's Patrick Stewart. Like that's just the, that's the best bit. That's definitely the best bit. <laughs> and The voice acting in general in Oblivion is quite cool. Like you've got Sean Bean as well. Sean Bean and Patrick Stewart. I mean, they're basically the the two really cool ones in Oblivion. Um, I think that just really draws you in early on. If you think about when Oblivion came out, it feels like that sort of celebrity voice acting just wasn't a thing. And so it's just has so much more impact in Oblivion that's all well said
1: and done. But I think they spend about 95% of their voice acting budget on those two actors and then just <laughs> used whoever they could find around the office. There's what, maybe like three different male voice actors and two female actors? Come on. Skyrim's clearly superior in this instance. It's vastly more amounts of uh, voice actors in the game. It feels much more natural. There's all these different dialects and accents going on throughout the game people say things that actually matter sure there may not be these big celebrity names in the game which let's face it doesn't really add anything to it other than for a marketing campaign but you get that much more sense of involvement and immersion into the world of Skyrim than you do with Oblivion's very stock-sounding voices.
0: Yeah, that's true. I guess, I mean, Patrick Stewart does die, like, right at the beginning, which doesn't really help.
1: But Which is quite
0: ironic is in the fact that then Sean Bean is not the one that dies. <laughs> yeah, very true. I guess, you know... That's because of all the all the money that they got from selling Oblivion because it was so amazing. You know they could then pour that into some better voice actors in Skyrim. You know it's thanks to Oblivion. I mean that's not really a, a selling point for Oblivion as a game, is it? No. But <laughs> so all you're telling me then is that it took a little bit of extra money to make the
1: actual game people wanted to play, rather than playing its older, slightly less good brother.
0: Yeah, but in Oblivion they had that opportunity when they were sort of making something that is still a little bit niche to experiment with some new things. In particular, there's some really cool new technologies in Oblivion. You know, when they were building the game world, they blended handcrafted artistry of the landscape with really clever algorithms around erosion and plant placement, like tree placement and things like that. And, you know, that was just sort of unheard of at the time. When you go back to Morrowind, you had very smooth, flat landscapes. But in Oblivion, you can see where the erosion has happened, you know, where the rivers have eroded through the landscape and where the trees are placed realistically on on hills and flat terrain and things like that. You know, they had an opportunity to really do some amazing stuff there. It also had a massive draw distance. You know, some of the largest draw distances of games at the time. Um, you know, they really, really tried very hard to produce a very technically competent game.
1: I, I can't argue with that. The game is, for its time, a very pretty game. And it was very impressive, technically speaking, even though if you did need a supercomputer to be able to play it. <laughs> but all those things don't make up for a real live lived-in-feeling world, and let's face it, Oblivion just felt a bit empty apart from the major city populations, whereas Skyrim felt real. The emptiness that you felt whilst trekking across the plains of Whiterun or climbing the mountains to get to Winterhold felt like they were supposed to be there because it's the north, it's huge, it's expansive, it's cold, the people huddle together in small areas, but you still get that sense of lived inness when you reach those cities, and every city has its own unique vibe it has different kind of people living there with different agendas, you've got uh, the split down the middle of the political system, you've got some other more deep-rooted interactions between people, say, between the different guilds for example, in Winterhold, where there's a lot of distrust towards the college you can feel that in the way the voice actors portray the characters they're playing within these cities and that just makes the game that much more immersive and less of just a fantasy excursion through another tolkien-esque world
0: i still feel like the cities in oblivion felt larger like i think particularly the imperial city and also somewhere like skingrad you know and maybe the cities in Oblivion feel a little bit empty, but they do also feel very grand at the same time. Again, in particular, I'm, I must admit that I'm highlighting the Imperial City in particular, because it's got four whole quadrants, you know, with loads of buildings that you can go into in each one, different people's houses and all of that kind of thing, you know, that's, they were so cool. Um, and you mentioned the guilds in Skyrim, but you've got to admit, the, the guild storylines in Oblivion were way more rewarding than the ones in Skyrim. It takes so much longer to get through them and you end up as the leader of them and it just feels way more satisfactory. I feel like it was just a bit too easy in Skyrim. That comes back to that sort of slightly dumbed down, more mainstream thing about Skyrim where they just sort of handed things to you a bit easier, if you like.
1: Well, you say easier, I say more direct. The game gets you into the action faster with a more prominence on the combat because that's exactly what this game's all about. It's supposed to be about action. It's supposed to be about feeling epic. You're the dragonborn. You're the one that's going to rid Skyrim of the dragons and end all the conflict. You are this mythical person who travels to the land of the dead to solve these problems for these people. Not some messenger boy for the Bard's Guild. You never feel like you've actually accomplished anything. You still feel like you're this man running around fulfilling all
0: of the fantasy tropes. I know what you mean, but I feel like it's more of a traditional RPG as a result, because you're less of like the amazing... I mean, you are kind of like the the hero, but it's more that sort of traditional you're a cog in a larger machine. You know, there's a little bit more depth and more character progression there in a sort of more of a role-playing way rather than a an adventure game. I know what you mean. I think that that's actually, in some ways, that's where the game's not necessarily bet for, you know, one better or worse, but they just differ in that sense in that Skyrim is very much more about, like, adventure and combat and excitement and Oblivion is a little bit, little bit slower paced, a little bit more, you know respectable
1: (laughs) i can appreciate that i'm not gonna say you're wholly right but i can appreciate where you're coming from and you could almost turn it around and say that it's a charm of oblivion you know it's a bit older it didn't have as much hindsight to work on it's like you know your uncle that's been around for a bit but still kind of struggles he's sweet in his own way i suppose but (laughs) for Skyrim it's the new and upcoming kid it's the 20 year old guy the startup company it knows what it wants to do and it does it really well and the thing that it does absolutely fantastic well is making you feel epic and when you say epic for Skyrim what do you think of dragons of course come on nothing tops the dragons in Skyrim ...at all. Nothing in any of the older Elder Scrolls games comes close to the epic fight scenes between the dragons... ...especially on the tops of the mountains, when you go to the big dragon stone places there... ...and the dragon swoops down, you loose a couple of arrows into it, it flies down, it fires off some fire at you... ...you jump on its back and you start slicing away nothing compares to that feeling and that allows you to really get into the character more than any of your slower quests or more developed guild lines ever would
0: i mean i think the dragons are cool but i think also that i i don't know i felt that they were a little bit anticlimactic i think that they could have been they could have been better it feels like eventually they get very repetitive and it's like oh look another dragon another another chance to get lots of very valuable dragon bones because i'm going to be able to kill it no problem because i've killed the last 20 dragons and so this one's going to be fine too like it's sort of you know maybe they overdid it a bit i don't know i mean it is quite cool that time when you do sort of very temporarily in a cutscene get to ride one but otherwise it just feels like they're a big enemy and yeah it's cool and i agree that oblivion doesn't have really an equivalence. You know, the biggest things that you fight are probably like the random Daedra from Oblivion. And that brings me on to something else I wanted to talk about, about Oblivion, and that is Oblivion the place, not Cyrodiil where Oblivion is set, but the hell that is Oblivion that you get to go to through the portals. I think that's just such a cool thing. Like you end up with all this extra bit that you can go into and explore around and, you know, the, the lighting and the effects and the and the world around you in Oblivion is so much more different to to Cyrodiil. I think that's such a cool contrast. And, you know, it's so cool that you have that that you can go to as well and you get to close the gates. And, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of re- repetition there, but the combat in those areas is also quite cool.
1: The problem is that I have with that as cool as they look and as kind of important as it is in the story to close these gates of Oblivion that are going to overrun the land of Cyrodiil. You get some very bland enemies in there. They really, really do. And that is one of the things I think Oblivion fails on the most. I think, like you mentioned, the biggest things are maybe some of the Daedra. Maybe the Minotaurs? Not sure. Whereas, even if you don't count the dragons in Skyrim, you forget about those, there are so many more varied enemies in Skyrim. You've got the Frost Trolls of the mountain tops. You've got the giant, hulking... Bug-like things, I think they're called chakras or something like that, in the Falmer Depths, you know? You've got your staple bandits and your wolves and all that kind of thing, and they, but then you've got the Dwarven contraptions, or the Dwemer contraptions, I should say, sorry, you know, that, are, that go from these tiny little balls to these giant hulking robots. Everything just feels far more varied, like this land is inhabited by more than just one particular type of enemy. With enemies being as varied and interesting as they are in both games and the environments being interesting, what it all comes down to is how fun it is to fight those enemies, and Skyrim's combat is just infinitely more impactful and meatier feeling. I can't even think of a better word than that. The kind of short 2 or 3 second cut scenes where you do the massive visceral attacks look strong and they feel like you're really kind of like fighting for your life against these savage enemies the, the combat just feels like you are being involved in it rather than in Oblivion, where it feels like you're kind of just waving a stick in front of your face until something falls down. And when you lose some health, you just click on a button a load of times to gain some health from a potions. Now, I'm not saying Skyrim Combat is perfect, it still has some of that Elder Scrolls slash Fallouty, because obviously it's the same developing studio, issues where you can just spam the same attack and you'll sort of win. But they've really tried to make you feel like this epic warrior or this uh, masterful mage or that really sneaky thief and that also leads quite nicely into the fact that the skill tree is far more varied as well you aren't kind of pushed down one element of of play if you decide you want to start being sneakier in a certain section then you can do that and the game won't penalize you for it obviously you won't necessarily be as good at it as you are in straight up fighting if you're going for a fighter but the game does not put you down a narrow corridor of saying you're now going to play this character for the rest of the game unless you want to re-roll your entire character. It allows you to branch out, allows you to experiment with things, and I do believe you can even just infinitely gain perks as well within the game as long as you carry on leveling up and leveling up and leveling up.
0: Yeah sure but then that comes back to that sort of realism aspect and it comes back to that hero versus another cog. Like in Oblivion okay maybe this is slightly contrary to the fact that you can be the leader of every guild but not being able to fully amazingly specialize in absolutely everything is kind of a bit more realistic is perhaps overkill for a game like this to use to use the word realistic but it just gives you more sense that your character is a particular person. You know, you get more more sense of progression. It's not like you can't just be amazing at everything. You know, you, I mean, you can still do anything you want in Oblivion. It's more just the way that the leveling works means that you have those like main, major and minor um, skill sets. But that doesn't limit you in what you can do in the game. But it just makes your character feel more natural and more sort of realistic, I guess.
1: Well, that's where the trade-off comes on, though. How much do you want a realistic gameplay in an already high fantasy setting Then, do you want to feel like the hero and not have to restart a whole game just to say, I kind of fancy trying some magic out? And let's face it as well, Skyrim's magic is far more interesting and deep and varied than Oblivion's magic is system is as well. It allows you to dual cast your magic, it allows you to use a spell in your offhand at the same time. It even allows you to overload them by casting them out of both hands at once and getting different effects. It just feels like there is so much more you can do with the magic and the powers of the game, not even to mention the shouts. The shouts are a whole other element of the game that was added, which is just inspired. It allows you to have these really kind of cool different effects on the world, even if you do want to be the the strong warrior or the sneaky thief.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. There is definitely plenty to the magic in Skyrim. Um, I actually had a question about the magic in Skyrim because I can't really remember from when I played it, but in Oblivion, I remember crafting my own spells a lot like having my own different spells that had different maybe power versus how long they lasted and things like that what do they do in Skyrim for that
1: yeah alright fair enough they don't do anything oh do they you not you your spell you have your spell that's the end of it but with that being the case, that then allows you to have more balanced spells, spells that aren't going to break the game because you've managed to put together a wonderful combination of this spell with this spell means means I win automatically. I'm automatically now thinking of Morrowind, where you could fly to the very end of the game like within about half an hour of play if you knew exactly what you were doing.
0: I do remember having a very short period, 100% charisma spell, which meant that everyone would like me. The, mo- the maximum amount for a very short period of time, which was enough time to speak to them so that you would then get the effect of basically everyone loving you, um, which was kind of useful. And yeah, OK, maybe that slightly breaks the game and maybe that goes a little bit against my realism argument. But, you know, it, it gives you that sort of sense of like, haha, I've like got a little trick and you can only do that once you get to, a you know, high, a long way in the game where, you know, you're the head of the guild or whatever.
1: I'll give you that one, in all fairness. the Especially the, the idea of crafting your own spells is very cool, and that does then play into Oblivion's
0: strengths of maybe being the slightly more grown-up version of the game. I have another question. These are genuinely questions I don't actually remember. Um, can you make your own potions in Skyrim? Yeah, there are brewing, but I don't think you can really
1: brew wherever you want. Uh, I believe it's just a case of there's recipes. You discover these recipes or you are taught these recipes. You go and get the particular ingredients and you make them. Uh, I do believe that the, diff- the higher level your qu- of your skill is, is that the better you are at making them. So the more potent they'll be, but you can't simply mix and match potions.
0: All right. So it's more or less the same. I think that's fairly similar, right, to um, to Oblivion there. I wonder why they removed the spells thing. I genuinely believe it is the thing that I mentioned,
1: where in Morrowind in particular, and to some extent in Skyrim, uh, sorry, in Oblivion, these become very game-breaking. And Skyrim definitely wanted to go for a much more positive user experience throughout the entire thing he didn't want to make it feel like once you reach a certain point the whole game was beyond you because the only way oblivion managed to make it so that there was still a challenge was just by simply scaling all the enemies up and that just seemed to be across the board as well it never seemed to feel like you were really really powerful and that the enemies that were bugging you you know three hours ago would just be below your below you now because you've trained and you've grown stronger but rather you'd be walking down the street and out of nowhere five barbarians in pure glass armour and enchanted swords would jump you. If they've got glass armour and enchanted swords, why are they bothering me right now? You know, they've
0: got far less things to worry about than me. Yeah, that's that's very true. I will give you that. Oblivion was very experimental in its leveling and I think actually that influenced a lot of other games as well in in the way that they do leveling including Skyrim obviously which has a similar leveling system to Oblivion but I think it locks certain sort of, there are like max caps on how good a barbarian can be and once you've visited somewhere it remains the same level as when you first visited it. In fact I think Fallout 3 was where they started to refine that leveling system and have that sort of locking levels because it was sort of, otherwise it was very similar to Oblivion.
1: It was, and Skyrim really took that and ran with it. It allowed you to visit locations... Feel a challenge, but feel strong. Clear out, say, a dungeon or a castle. And if you visited it later on in the game, it might be repopulated with different bandits, uh, but they would be stronger. They would be more appealing to your level, but only to the extent where a bandit would be that strong. Or, you know, a rat or a wolf would be that strong of a rat or a wolf. It never made it so that it felt like the game was arbitrarily scaling just to meet difficulty levels. But it also allowed it to guide you where it wants to go. Some dungeons and some castles were just simply too far beyond you in the early game. You couldn't just go where you wanted. You'd get your ass handed to you. In some instances, you might be able to fight through just about, and you'd level up an absolute ton whilst in that dungeon, and you come out feeling really accomplished in the fact that you have just have taken on a challenge that maybe you shouldn't have taken on by now. The game rewards that level of... Exploration and challenge, without just going well. you're level one, so all the enemies would be just about your level. You know, it doesn't hold you by the hand in that sense, and it makes you feel like the epic warrior you're supposed to be.
0: Yeah, that's true. I'll give you that. The leveling system is hands down better in Skyrim. I think that it, they did a good job in Oblivion, and it was the first that sort of attempt at hiding information about levels of enemies and things like that. I think they did a reasonable job. I'm not quite sure how barbarians in glass armor passed their quality assurance and, and playtesting, <laughs> to be honest. I think I'm sure someone someone probably mentioned that and they were like, Nope, it's too it's too far through. That we've developed too much now, we can't we can't go back. <laughs> Something I was wondering about Skyrim, what how do you feel about the AI? Because I feel that the AI of the NPCs in Oblivion and Skyrim is pretty much equal in the sense that it's not great. And I think in Skyrim, it stands out a lot more that the AI isn't great. And you know, the guards do always say, talk about taking an arrow to the knee and things like that. I mean, this isn't
1: something we can realistically argue. These are something that we're going to have to just admit is the fault with both the Elder Scrolls games and the Fallout series of games, all developed by Bethesda. Yeah, there has been, the, the more we go along, and this is very very apparent in fallout 4 the most recent game released by the studio that they put a higher emphasis on these kind of companion characters particularly but also just having more npcs do more things at once in say situations like a fight or you know an event that occurs the problem with that of course is that the, no matter how hard they try and they, they clearly try very hard the npc behavior is just really derpy like, they'll just stand there and try and fling a fireball from behind a rock, even though there's clearly a rock in front of them. Or, you know, they'll get in your way, or they'll moan at you when you hit them because you're trying to shoot into combat, and they've just kind of charged in with their blooming sword or something like that. And, unfortunately, it becomes more and more pronounced the further you, the more modern you become because of the more emphasis they put on those characters. At least in Oblivion, you're... companions were far less in the way because there wasn't that much call for them
0: yeah i mean i didn't even use my companion in oblivion like i never had a companion following me and that's probably why i didn't have one in skyrim as well because i assumed it was going to be the same
1: it's very much the same and as cool as it is to try and lead your own entourage of mighty warriors across the land and have them do your bidding for you which i have tried it doesn't work at all. It is far too much effort to make that work. And that's I think, is just a fault that you're always going to have where, with Bethesda using essentially the same... It feels very much the same game engine now, and they've just been refining it over time and updating it. Yeah,
0: very true. Something else I wanted to touch on and talk about what is the downloadable content for the two games. We've touched a little bit on some of it, but in particular, I think that... Oblivion came at such an interesting time for DLC because it was very, very early on, and you had cosmetic DLC, like the horse armor. And if you if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with the the sort of backstory around horse armor in Oblivion, you should definitely go and read up on it. Nowadays, DLC is really normal. Cosmetic DLC is really normal, but back then in the days of Oblivion, cosmetic DLC was virtually unheard of. So to pay one pound or a couple of dollars for some horse armor, massively split the gaming community. And I think that that's so cool that Bethesda were using that game to experiment with that and to try different ideas around downloadable content. And they still produced some really, really good pieces of DLC for Oblivion. In particular, Shivering Isles was absolutely amazing and very, very diverse, a really diverse landscape, some really interesting characters. But even some of the smaller expansions like the Orrery and Wizard's Tower were also really notable and also they were so cheap uh, nowadays, looking at prices for DLC nowadays. They were really, really cheap, and they just did a great job. They supported it with extra DLC for ages. Some of the DLC they released towards the end was free as well, just like random little extra bits.
1: I can't deny that. They definitely made sure the fans got that extra bit of content that they wanted without having to rely on the modding community. Maybe some of their less experienced fans didn't weren't aware of the fact that you could get all these amazing things, you know, on the mods. So they did release some cool DLC. But I still say Skyrim did it better. It had the benefit of having an audience that was already familiar with DLC at this point. They were aware of how DLC was supposed to work. Everybody had more, much faster internet connections so they really could push the boat out of how big these files were to get people's games to be updated with new content. And the ones they released were absolutely fantastic. They only released three major points parts of DLC but they were all big impactful pieces in the game. You had Dawn Guard adding a whole extra story regarding the use of vampires while you become one or fighting one. You had Hearthfire allowing you to build your own home. That was a precursor to Fallout 4 shelter building, and it was a huge step forward being able to build your own game in a game like Skyrim, which is almost always been handcrafted to make it look perfect it's not like it was just a kind of another minecraft clone trying to do that you know its own thing it allowed you to really kind of like put your own stamp on a game that was already so beautiful and then you finished off with the epic dragonborn content adding all this extra content and story and being able to fight this like epic first dragonborn and it felt like a worthwhile piece of DLC where you didn't regret buying it, unlike maybe some of the smaller, less important piece of DLC, which probably just could have come away as mods for Oblivion.
0: Yeah, I agree. Some of the bits of DLC for Oblivion were kind of small, but I still definitely maintain that Shivering Isles was my favourite piece of DLC across all games ever. So if you were going to summarise one thing that you think makes Skyrim better than Oblivion, what would you say it is?
1: I would say the game just simply feels epic. I know that word gets bandied around a lot, but I genuinely think Skyrim is one of those games which captured the essence of epicness really, really uh, perfectly. Everything you do in the game, from equipping your armor to fighting a dragon feels like you are this legendary warrior who's been born into this world to fight these dragons. The game makes you feel like a badass no matter how you want to play it with its different combat styles and its magical abilities, and the story throughout is always really strong and you feel involved in this living world that you're taking part in. So for me, that's what makes Skyrim truly fantastic, and that is my elevator pitch for the game for anyone wanting to try out the best Elder
0: Scrolls game. I mean, what would yours be? Well... Aside from all the things I've already said, I think really, for me, Oblivion can be summed up by that point very early on in the game, where after you start the game in the sewers and you progress through these sewers and you step out at the very end and you step out into the bright sunlight and in front of you, there's a wide expanse of green, there's water, there's an enormous blue sky and just that feeling of a massive game in front of you with so much to explore in this huge world i just feel like that had never really happened before and that point in oblivion is just a moment in gaming history that you just can't recapture again so
1: i'd say that's a pretty good summation of what we think about those two games
0: yeah i agree and with but what i don't agree with is you (laughs)
1: I mean that's fair enough because why would you you know agree when you're just clearly wrong I mean Skyrim (laughs) if you don't believe you just listen back to these recordings you're going to have to several times to edit them so (laughs) you can listen to my well crafted valid points and that's what I'd like everyone else to do as well listen through to what we've discussed and let us know what you think at the end of the day they're both fantastic games. Not going to take that away from Oblivion, even if Skyrim's still clearly better. <laughs> Let us know which you think is the best game as well. Both going off of what we've said and maybe things we haven't said. Let us know maybe we've missed some really key valley points about one another's games or maybe you think Morrowind's the better game. Maybe you think Morrowind was the pinnacle of the Elder Scrolls series. Let us know. Maybe
0: it was Daggerfall, you know.
1: Okay, if you say it's Daggerfall, you're just being an indie hipster.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you might even you might even mention the uh, the Dark Brotherhood Guild, which I completely missed out in my discussion of Oblivion. I just sneak a little extra point in there. <laughs> oh, well done, very sneaky. <laughs> but yeah, you can uh, you should definitely get in touch with us. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know why we're wrong or we're right or why I'm right and why Seth is wrong. Um, mm-hmm. You can email us at show at octal.fm you can also tweet us at octal fm and you can also download previous episodes of the show by visiting the website which is octal.fm and finally i just want to remind you that uh you can review the podcast on the itunes store which really helps us out if you add a review on there or a rating particularly if it's positive uh then yeah that's that's really helpful to us so please please do that
1: the more people that listen the more feedback we get the better the show gets absolutely right
0: I've been Gelada, and I've been Seffron with the correct argument. <laughs> nice try. And uh, yeah, catch us again for another episode of Optel FM.
1: Yeah, I've been I've been drinking a little bit more recently. Um, and I started drinking some more ciders. Uh oh, yeah. I'm enjoying some ciders. So I bought some dry cider, some uh, some hennies, I think it was called. Um, from Sainsbury's
0: and I was like, oh, that's a loop. Yeah, true, true. But I mean You're not supposed to be agreeing with me so much, dude. <laughs>
1: So I bought a full bottle and I really, really enjoyed it and then I started buying another one so I bought some Thatchers and yep. I enjoyed that. Um, and then I started drinking some uh, some locally brewed pale ales.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah, get me.
0: So I'm just removing the cat.
1: Um, and they do some really, really lovely ales and mm. When we were watching the wrestling the other week, we, we bought one of all the different types they had. We, we, we drank them all and we decided which one was the best.